Howdy, y'all, and happy holidays. This is Alan Alford here at the Cyber Ranch, wishing you and yours the best possible holiday season. I hope you get some good downtime. I hope you get to relax and eat some good food. And I hope you don't have to spend too much time with bad relatives. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. Back in August of 2021, there was a special cybersecurity conference in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called CISO XC, a conference unlike any other I had ever attended because it was put on by CISOs. I'm lucky enough to know the good folks who put the show together, and we were able to arrange a special live episode of the podcast in front of a rather exuberant crowd. I say exuberant because I was scheduled after happy hour. My guests on this show were Chris Roberts, chief geek at Hillbilly Hit Squad, and perhaps the most famous curmudgeon in all of cybersecurity. Joining us as well was Cecil Pineda, at the time in charge of the VCSO program, GRC and data privacy practices at Critical Start. I challenged this very smart pair of practitioners with the idea of minimum viable security. This idea that we have some basics we can all be doing in all of our shops at any given time before we know anything about frameworks, assets, or specific risks. Just some good old-fashioned security fundamentals. The conversation took off from there and took some wild turns. And I have to be honest, it was not just the audience celebrating happy hour after a very long day of meetings and presentations. At one point, the show was interrupted by one of the hosts of the actual event itself so he could get a refill from Chris Roberts' famous traveling whiskey collection. Chris was in rare form, and I had to edit a few bits out to ensure that this show was not too explicit. So without further ado, let's listen to Chris responding to my first question about the feasibility of my minimum viable security idea. At the end of the day, there are just some very simple, basic things that every organization could do or should be doing before anything else. And I was actually having a really good conversation with one of the crew out there about the whole, you know, the virtual CISO, the VCSO. It's like, okay, if you're coming in, you're typically coming into an organization or an environment that needs help. So what are the very simple things you need to do to understand? And again, for those of us that come from the military world, it's, you know, observe, observe, orient, decide, and act. So how do I observe? How am I orientating? What am I actually going to use as my decision criteria? And what the hell do I do about it? I mean, this is not hard stuff to do. All right, Cecil, what do you think about this? I uh, I have a love-hate relationship with compliance and uh you know, compliance, you know, I think, I think there's a room for us to have a, uh, you know, minimum viable security because, you know, I do compliance for a living. Uh, some of here, people here are my customers and the problem with compliance is we treat each controls almost the same weight. There are certain areas that we need to put more emphasis. That's why I think a minimum viable Security is really appropriate for areas like, you know, today we all heard about ransomware. I think half of the room, half of our customers are impacted by ransomware. I think those controls to prevent ransomware should be given more emphasis rather than, you know, across the board. Hey, I want to score three or four on all 108 controls of NIST CSF. I think it's really important for us to focus on certain areas where the likelihood of the threats impacting our assets would be greater. I think having a minimum viable security for all those things, I think it's very, uh, I think it will be very valuable for a lot of CISOs. 
I like that. So, so you hit on something very critical to me. We talk about NIST CSF and ISO 27001 and SOC 2, PCI DSS, whatever, pick one. I don't care. They're all very big. And there's a certain degree of what I would call carpet bombing approach towards any of those frameworks, right? The idea is, you know, there's a bad thing in there somewhere. So let's just keep blasting controls at it and maybe we'll find it. Maybe we'll hit it. And to your point, you don't need all that. So what if the frameworks quit being these big obtuse frameworks? What if they quit being these giant monstrosities? And what if we started actually creating what I, I'm calling tactical frameworks? Take a subset of NIST CSF and say, okay, which controls in this massive collection actually directly relate to fill in the blank, ransomware, business email compromise, uh, CEO impersonation, you know, DDoS, whatever types of threats we face in the real world, slice and dice that framework, pick out the bits that are actually relevant, create a micro framework, a tactical framework, whatever cool buzzword you want to call it. Start with that paradigm. What do you think of that one? I think it's, I would, if I'm a CISO, um, again, you know, unfortunately, I'm advising CISOs. It's easy for me to always recommend, but I really feel that there are certain controls that we have to put a lot of emphasis. Uh, but I, I'm not saying forget about user training or those other controls in NIST-CSF. I think there's certain level of effort for those things that could impact our organization in a, you know, in a greater way. So I think we should focus more investment on those things. So I think, I mean, when you look at, let's take some of the ransomware conversations, let's take conversations about incident response and various other things. There's still some key core critical areas where, let's face it, everything typically comes in from and comes in to. More often than not, we unfortunately find this coming in through a user interface or an application interface. So if we can take a step back from that and go, what is affecting those? And one of the arguments we've always had is, and I was listening, there was a conversation up on stage earlier where somebody was talking about asset management. I'm like, how many of you here in the audience and how many people listening here can honestly put their hand up and go know what assets they have? Anybody, seriously, yeah. right now, raise your hand if you've yeah. mastered asset management ever yeah. oh. at any shop ever in your career ever. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I'll be honest, if you can, A, I'm going to give you a big hug. And secondly, I might actually call bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You, you owe him a big hug. Yeah. Uh, we, we had one hand in the audience, folks, one yeah. hand. And so this is, this is my thing. It's like we're, we're all chasing down going, okay, we have to do all of this. Well, if you don't even know what you're protecting, let alone what's on the darn thing, let alone where it is, but if you don't even know what you have, how can you move beyond that step? How can you even, you know, how can you talk about applying anything else to that until you actually know? I mean, this is the fundamental one thing. You know, again, if we boil it down to a human, if we take all the computer jargon, jog, I've only had a few of these, for goodness sakes. I've been serving more than I've drunk. <laughs> I do want to point that one out. If we, if we take it into a human world, you know, if I look at a house, you know, we look at a house and we go, well, how do I protect a house? Well, I put locks on the door and I do this. Well, why do I do that? Well, because I've got valuables in the house. Well, what do you have in the house? Insurance company wants to know exactly how many watches I have and bottles of whiskey I have. Why? Because they want to know the assets that I have to be able to protect. The car company wants to know exactly what car I have because they want to know what asset I have to protect. Until I understand what asset I actually have, I can't do anything else. I like that. My, my former boss had a, a little mantra that he always put forth, which was so simple and so succinct and, and seemingly so obvious. And yet I felt like constantly needed to be iterated to the business. And it went like this. See it, manage it, secure it. 
if you don't know it's there, you can't possibly manage it. If you're not managing it, you can't possibly secure it. That it's really that simple. See it, manage it, secure it. So if that's what we're saying we have to do, now we've gotten into this weird sort of almost dichotomy on this tactical framework idea. On the one hand, we're saying let's uh, slice and dice. Let's take the, the, the fine print out and the obtuse language out and let's just hone in on these little bits we care about. But we're also saying that we can't just go apply this willy-nilly. We still have to do the due diligence of that first requirement because every single framework, like what, CISV8, 7.1, NIST CSF, everybody starts with know thyself, right? Everybody starts with where are your assets, what are your assets, identify your assets, now you can proceed forward. So you're saying we can't give up that one piece, that we have to keep that piece, and then from there maybe we can start dropping framework requirements and start to hone in on a specific specific approach. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep, yep. Uh, I could tell you, you're right, uh, if you don't know it, it's so hard to protect it. Um, just to give you an example, um, one of my most important projects I'm doing right now is doing a massive data discovery for a large client, and I'm not doing it. My people are doing it. Um, we, you know, the CISO said, I need to know my, where my data is, what type of data we have. We need to make sure that we have visibility before I can protect it. They were ready to buy a DLP tool, but we told them, hey, you can't just buy a DLP because you feel you need, you need to know your problem first. Yep, that's exactly it. Blindly applying technologies at the <laughs> unidentified problems. And yet that seems to be in contradiction to what we're saying, that you can, in fact, say, walking in the door, I know ransomware is a problem. I may not know every vector, but I know that MFA controls the user vector, and I know that email protection controls the email vector. And I may have some further assets in that pile that I don't know about. So this is where I'm challenging Chris a little bit. I may still have some points of entry. I may still have a, a, an item here, an item there, an API call here, uh, a user there. But if I'm trying to do a little bit of focused, let's just get some MFA and let's get some email protection, I've caught 90-something percent of my ransomware threats. Yeah, potentially. I mean, uh, so perfectly. Uh, so let's go to the MFA. Let's take MFA. So MFA involves both the human and it also involves the applications or the assets you're protecting. So go to the business or go to HR and say, hey, how many people do we have employed? Then there's that conversation of, well, hang on, we've got the people employed, but hang on, we've got this bunch of vendors that are doing this. And by the way, we've got these, these are all the subcontractors. Oh, we've got these folks that are coming in and out for six months of the year. We, we've got the school folks coming in and, 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 and. Oh, and that doesn't include the people that come in to clean the place at night. It doesn't include A, B, C, and D that goes with it. Now you then take a step back and go, well, okay, that's a scary one. Now let's talk with the applications. How many freaking applications of the damn organizations got they need to apply MFA to? And then you play the little game of, well, we can only apply MFA on 50% or it's going to cost this or we can only do it here. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and at which point now you have to go, which is my favorite child I care about? Right, right. And we're back to the asset management. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a fair call out. And and I think there's a lot of um, even third party potentially vendors and, and other people in that food chain that may have that direct access that you want to control with MFA too. Um, fair point. So let's broaden the conversation a little bit and let's talk a little bit about if, if these are the things we must do, if we know that we have to get on top of it, see it, manage it, secure it. We're starting with that perspective. We know we have all these frameworks who start with see it. Okay, that's good. That's healthy. At what point can we depart from the big frameworks? Where do we start to say, okay, I see it, I'm managing it. Now, as far as secure it goes, I don't need your 368 controls. I'm going to stick with my 33 to start because that's my priority in my shop. 
you know, where does minimum viable security begin, assuming we can see it and we can manage it and we've overcome those two principal hurdles? Cecil, what do you think? Well, this is my, my love version for compliance kicks in. Um, you know, PCI, we know there's hundreds, you know, hundreds of controls there. Uh, NIST has 108 controls. We do 30-something engagement of uh, CSF every year. And I think we cannot just ignore those. Yeah, I get, if 30% if of those controls, we need to put a lot of effort. I think the 70%, we cannot just ignore them. You know, because, you know, they're going to find, attackers are going to find the weakest link. And I think those 70%, I think we can actually at least do a decent job in addressing those controls. Uh, for the 30%, I want to I wanna layer it. I'm not, I'm not going to be maybe just from a zero to five, you know, we usually measure risk uh, maturity from zero to five. A lot of you use CMMI and I would... Probably for those 30% of controls that really needs to be addressed, I would put some layers there. Maybe a, a maturity of four, or maybe a five. Five is too expensive. So maybe more mature in terms of, uh, but the 70% of those controls that at least at a minimum we should abide, I think uh, a, a decent job of maybe a, three, a score of three or something like that. Okay. Chris, I saw you biting your thumb. Yeah, there. yeah. Right, let's hear. Let's let's hear Chris Roberts. His I'm, a, I'm. I love GRC, and I know this guy breaks our controls every day. <laughs> At least. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll play devil's advocate on this one because it's a fun position to take. Sometimes uh, I'm willing to bet, and if everybody looks in the mirror and is honest with themselves that they're not even touching the 30% of the controls, let alone the rest of the 70%. One, because of we only have 24 hours in a day, and as much as we like it, we occasionally have family, or in my case, dogs, and uh, we like to see them occasionally. Secondly, because we have a limited amount of resources. Thirdly, we have a limited amount of budget. Um, and fourthly, the toys and the tools that we have don't necessarily do what we need them to do because we don't have enough time to actually figure it all out. So that 70%, I'm sorry, take them out, shoot them in the head. You ain't even doing the first 30%. In fact, I'll, I'll lay odds that, again, I'll go back to this thing. How many of you know what assets you have, let alone what the hell's on them, let alone who is touching them and whether they should be touching them? Again, until you've done that, you can't move beyond that first step. You have no right to move beyond that first step. Okay, so to my original proposal... Let's take a ransomware framework and derive it from this CSF. We're going to build it on the fly right here live on stage. You want ID.am-1 and 2. They have to be there. Your asset hardware and asset software inventory, right? Software and hardware asset inventory. You have to have those. Then from there, you can start to look at ones about process and bureaucracy. And those are the ones you can leave on the cutting room floor, right? And you can start to hone in. And I would argue that you could get down to 30, 40 controls out of the superset have all those actually focused, hyper-focused on ransomware, you have to start with identity, right? Identify, rather. And you go from there. I think that's viable. I think, I think that can be constructed. And the question is, what is the utility of such a framework? Let's, let's, let's assume I'm right that it's, that it's doable. What's the utility? And should we be embracing frameworks like that versus just, oh, here goes CSF again? If, <laughs> if we know we're not touching the 70%, 
then let's leave them on the cutting room floor. Let's double down on the 30 and let's pick the right 30 and let's be smart about it and let's dive in. And if we're going to do ransomware, we could just as easily do any of these other categories we talked about. So what do you think, Chris? So I, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is we've got to agree on the 30. And not only do we have to agree, we can sit in here in the stage and agree. But if we go to, you know, the PCI folks and go, hey, uh, we love you all dearly, but um, we're only going to focus on 10 of your 150 <laughs> bloody controls. We go to the hipper boys and go, hey, uh, love you all dearly, but 90% um, of your shit doesn't work. So we're going to focus on 10% of it. We go to CMMC and say, love you all dearly, but um, I'm doing page one out of page 151. I'm getting everybody to agree. That to me is the challenge. I, I love the idea. Don't get me wrong. I want, I would love to get every single one of those bloody frameworks in a room and say, you know, I love the fact you've got your little flag and I love the fact you're on your little island, but you are causing more chaos in this industry than good. Therefore, we all need to come together. We all need to go, which one of the, which one of the kids are we going to actually love and which one are we going to throw to the sharks? And, um, that's it. End of discussion. Love you all dearly, but choose 10. The rest of them you've got to take outside and feed to, you know, whatever the wildlife's out there. Well, I can easily relate because a couple of times I was a CISO and I could actually relate easily to that. You know, I have a limited budget. I have limited people and where will I invest this? And Chris, you're... You know, that, that's really on point. It's really difficult. When you have a really limited budget, you put it where your most, uh, you know, um, your highest risk. So I think this is really difficult. From my consultant point of view, it's easy to recommend. But for, if you're a CISO, you have a limited budget, limited people, limited tools. Yeah. I, I, okay, so how many of you have got limited people? Get a show of hands. How many of you don't have enough bodies? All right, so how many of you talked to all of the folks that were running around with the CISO t-shirts on and said, hey, do you have a job? You want to come work for me? You want to come intern with me? I will give you a pen, a paper, and I will let you go count the assets that I have. I'll pay you a short amount of money. I'll get you experience so that when the next numpty HR company says, hi, you need six years of experience before we can attend you to a junior job, they can actually get some experience apprenticeships and interns go talk to those damn kids that are sitting and running around with a black t-shirt with a little black and white um shield on it <laughs> give them a freaking job yes 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 that's a brilliant aside i yes let us let that one stand thoroughly and completely back to your first point <laughs> got to keep us on track i'm the podcast host this is what i do um I don't know that we need everyone's agreement. Screw them. And here's why. I'm in my shop managing my business my way. I take somebody else's framework like CSF. I slice it and dice it. And I, for those who don't know, anybody has got a phone in front of them, go look up SP 1800-26. Came out from NIST. Came out in December 2020 was the final edition. Some random schmoes at NIST said, this is our stab at what slicing and dicing this CSF looks like to address ransomware in particular. 1800-26. It was precursed by a January 2020 version that was completely different and referenced a bunch of stuff that didn't make it in the final cut. There's a brand new one that just came out in, uh, was it June or July 2021, that's still in draft form that now includes, so that one from December 2020 includes, I want to say, 33 controls. 
and the one from last month or two months ago now uh, is something like 78 controls. Uh, it's it's growing, right? I mean, the grand total in CSF is what, 300 and something? Isn't that right? So so if every time someone takes a new stab at this, it grows and, and gets accretion, then we're right back to the problem we had in the first place, which is these things are too bloated, these things are too big. So why not embrace the 33 control one? Why not go back to that one? Why not go back to December 2020 and say, for my yeah. shop, but, this is what I'm doing. But Alan, if you're a CISO, you have to, you have to answer to the regulatory police and to your executives. What can you, how can you, if you're just addressing 33 of 108 controls? So to my executives, I say, I went and found a NIST document, a NIST standard, a certified 1800-26. <laughs> look, it's official looking with a seal on it and everything document. And we're driving our business off of that. That's what I'm telling my execs. I've got an external source, resource, entity, whatever you want to call it, who's validated the officiality of my decision. All right, we're going to role play for a second. All right. Hello, I'm your quarterly PCI auditor. I'd love to see how you're doing on all of our controls. And you're going to turn around to me and say, hey, we're in Texas, so it's going to be, screw y'all. <laughs> we got 30 controls out of the several hundred you like. Right. Go pound sand. Yep, and I'm going to be like, well, I'm sorry, you're Y'all take a hike. Yeah. Regulated is clearly a different story. Regulated is clearly a different story. I'm talking about if you have the autonomy and the liberty and the freedoms to, to set your own pace. If you're regulated, good luck, Godspeed, feel sorry for you. Been there, done it too many times. You know, have fun with your 300 plus controls. I don't think there's any way to escape that external mandate. Yeah. But, but, but if you have the choice, why embrace the 300? But Alan, if this is my auditor, I'm going to follow all, all 300 controls. Yes. He's scary. That's okay. That's a valid point. Yeah, that's a. He's going to fail me, and and I think that's where we need to change. That to me, the problem is we can we can sit and again to to to, to Cecil's point, it's great sitting on the outside going, hey, yeah. I recommend you you follow thirty controls. But to his point, when I turn up with my PCI box on my HIPAA box on my CMMC box, and I'm like, I do say, uh, one one is only looking at thirty of my controls. I'm feeling slighted. Therefore, um, <laughs> screw you and your sorry ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, and to me, that's where somebody needs to take the PCI council aside. Somebody needs to take the HIPAA folks aside and say, hey, you're complicating. We are dying on your hill. Yeah. Every single day, we are dying on your hill. For no reason. Yeah, absolutely yeah. For, no for no reason. So how many of y'all know SOC 2 intimately, are familiar with SOC 2? Okay. There's a word that appears in SOC 2, anti V, anti V, I, come on, antivirus. Actually says antivirus. Antivirus in a, in a modern standard that we're supposed to be accountable to, that we're supposed to use as a, as a yardstick we measure ourselves by, and that we can go to our clients and say, look at us, we're on top of our game. We have antivirus. Anyone ever heard of EDR? I just, I so... It's not just that there's way too many controls in these standards. It's the fact that by the time the standard is baked and has been through committee, it's already obsolete by definition. Our industry moves way too fast for a slow and stupid process to spew out requirements. And every time I'm faced with a SOC 2 audit, I will literally sit down with the auditor and chew them out if they bring that one up. I worked for one company. I kid you not. This is a true story. We had an EDR solution. It was an excellent EDR solution. It caught all the bad things we needed it to catch. It worked for us. It did what we paid it to do. And we ran Windows Defender, the free version, because some monkey needed to check a box that said antivirus. 
kid you not. All right, so I'm going to add an extra one to this. I say I'm compliant. You're not allowed to attack me. <laughs> that's not cricket. <laughs> you know, that's again one of the problems. I have compliance. I have checked my box. Therefore, I am immune. Bugger off, or do you need more whiskey? Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, there's someone with a machine gun in the audience. Yeah. If this is Texas. Yeah. No, this is, I think that's the big challenge. Again, you know, it, it comes back to compliance does not equal security. Uh, and again, go back to that. We're dying on the hill. We're dying on the hill because we're chasing. We're having, I mean, okay, quick show of hands. How many of you have to, how many of you have to fill out the paperwork? Or oh, screw that, actually. Insurance is now making you fill out the paperwork. Fuck that for yeah. game of soldiers. Uh, sorry, excuse my friend. We are marking this as a, as a Explicit language show. Yeah. This one's going to get marked. So, <laughs> hell yeah. There's a checkbox every time I submit a new episode and I have to actually check explicit language. This one will get checked. This is one of those. Again, so, I mean, five years ago, you could actually buy insurance for about the price of a can of Smarties or what is it in this country? M&Ms. Nowadays, they've cottoned on to the fact because they've had their asses handed to them. They're like, shit, we actually need to ask them if they've taken their firewall out of the shrink wrap. And so, <laughs> to tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm not. PCI actually asks you what the hell you're doing with it. HIPAA goes, well, we'd like you to do something with it. And the insurance company's like, shit, did you actually just buy one? Just show us the PO. We don't care. And and the insurers and auditors are getting smarter. And again, so now you have more paperwork. Yeah, more so paperwork. How many of you are have to adhere? You knew this was going to be fun. How many of you have to adhere to some level of compliance paperwork? Right. It's like everyone. Yeah, How many much. of you fill out somebody else's questionnaire? On a regular basis. Hi, vendor. Uh, that's, that's a true. Here's our proprietary yeah. questionnaire, and you have to fill this thing out, and we want you to give us in great detail every little question we have. And how many of you have ever faced one of those questionnaires and thought, my God, they've nailed security? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Nothing but laughter from the audience. Let the record note. Yeah. Um, it's mind-blowing to me that everybody ends up inventing their own proprietary one or grabbing one of these big convoluted ones we started off complaining about and, and treats it like this is security. It's not. And nothing shy of a, of a, you know, a full-scale inspection from the uh, insurance auditors coming along before we'll sign your policy. You know, you're going to show us and demonstrate that you're actually, to, to Chris's point, pulling it out of the shrink wrap, configuring it, and actually setting it up and, and making it do things. Uh, shy of some sort of, full-blown audit, is there any way for any of us to, with any of these frameworks, actually point to them and say, well, gosh, they've got security over there. They answered my questions. It's ludicrous. All right, and we'll go to the other one. Point in time. Mm, yeah. For one hour of one day, congratulations, you were secure until somebody in, yeah. you know, I, DevSecOps, somebody in development went, hey, I need to promote this and put it on the internet, you know, with direct connection to, I don't know, a power station maybe. Um you know, uh, oh, it doesn't matter what the hell it is. I mean, this is this again, the concept of continual testing, the concept of actually collapse. Sorry, the concept because I keep moving and it's alcohol. No, for the record, alcohol. You've got a better cable than me, by the way. His cable is nicer than my cable. Yeah. He's got a black. I, I feel somewhat slighted. He has he's, the longer cable because he's yeah. further away. And it's red. I, I like, like red. it. I like the red and black cable. Like Mine's just plain boring. And but I want to. Serious uh, cybersecurity conversations. Yeah, twenty four seven. Well, I, I want to uh, follow up on 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 point in time. You know, we do a lot of assessments, and actually, for for the audience around here, 
Do you see that guy in blue shirt behind the camera? Our cameraman. Do you see him? This guy? The one that's tech. Yeah. He's also working in my team for doing data discovery. So when he does data discovery today, that point in time, tomorrow's data is stale. You know, that this data that he discovered today is already stale tomorrow. Hey, John, I hope you're, not, you're okay with me. <laughs> hey, uh, okay. We know what has to happen. We know that we have to simplify compliance. We have to, we have to help give people a much more concise, precise, dis, a much more precise and concise set of like easy to understand, not necessarily rules and regulations, but guidelines. We know that has to happen. How do we make it happen? Three ways. All right. Follow me here. I'm going to get complicated and, and jump around a little bit. Number one, software bill of materials. Oh. S-bomb. Bombs. Have a live report from the tech stack itself that actually says, right now, this moment, real time, here's my state and my posture. Here's my ingredients. Here's my calls. Here's my ports. Here's my interfaces. Here's my certificates. Everything's digitally signed. Everything's tidied up. Here's me, the tech stack, self-reporting and letting you, anyone who cares, know what my current state and posture is. S-bomb. All right. Number two. I'm going to actually invoke a framework here. This is weird. I'm going to deviate from what started the whole show. I'm actually going to say CMMC, not because I want to embrace it in its full entirety, but because it does something damn clever. It acknowledges reality. None of the others do this. I'm immature. I'm a brand new shop. I'm a small shop. I'm kind of just getting started. I sort of suck over here. Great. CMMC has something for you too, right? So SBOM, a framework that actually acknowledges reality and maturity levels and capabilities and the third piece is shared responsibility model. Here's where I'm really jumping. Look at cloud. Look at how we do cloud. Look at how a SaaS vendor and you kind of have this shared responsibility model. This is something that exists already today in a non-formalized manner. Maybe it exists in a contractual manner. But what's wrong if we combine SBOM and CMMC? Can't we actually clarify, codify, own, and clean up that shared responsibility model and have that on the table. And we got a lock. And now what's left for the humans to do instead of 300 and something questions? It's like, dude, between the SBOM, the CMMC, which was realistically aimed at us and ourselves and our partners or whoever the hell you're aiming it at. And, and now we have this, uh, this shared responsibility model. There's 10 questions left for the humans. Let the humans answer what the humans are good at. Let the machines answer what the machines are good at. Dust your hands and walk away. How about yep. that? Yep. So what are we going to do for the next 10 years while that gets sorted out? <sighs> has anyone seen the XKCD cartoon about standards? I hope everyone has seen this one by now. If not, very quickly and briefly. Somebody points out there's too many standards and says, I know what we need. We need a superset standard that includes them all. And now the next frame of the cartoon is, and now there's another standard. Um, it never <laughs> ends, right? SCF tried to do this. And SCF, bless their hearts. I love Tom Cornelius and his gang over there. Like, I, I don't often name drop on the show, but they're up to something good because they went out of their way to become a superset framework that then also lets you play pick and choose. So we're back to that CMMC kind of framework model. We're back to that, hey, I don't need all of this. We're back to what we started the conversation with. It's a superset, and yet you've got the power to do the reduction yourself as you embrace it. And so maybe that's a good place to go too. Take the money out of compliance. 
Elaborate. Think about it. It's a it's a cost. It, it's how many companies, and I'm not picking on any vendors here, really, but how many? I don't com- know. <laughs> yet. <laughs> how many organizations are self-served by maintaining the status quo? How many of them are going to make money? How many of them will potentially suffer if they lose all their PCI QSAs and they lose all their HIPAAs and they lose all their ABCDs, FERC, NERC? How many of them are going to be impacted? So why is it in their best interest to now impact their bottom line by demystifying this and simplifying it? If we take the money out of this, then we can actually affect change. So roll your own capability. Yep. And kick the big four to the curb. Well, not just the big four. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of the vendors around here, unfortunately, and the vendors that we have in our industry who whose sole benefit is the fact that, you know, they're doing PCI and it's in their best interest, unfortunately, to keep doing it in the convoluted complex way that it's being done. Well, I don't want to pick on any names, but what kinds of vendors specifically? I'm going to make sure I'm understanding. Uh, I mean, so Visa has Visa MasterCard. We'll pick on Visa MasterCard because PCI has been with us for almost the longest one. Let's face it. There is a vendor list inside there that you are, that it's the only people you're allowed to have on site. Okay. You must work with these people and those people that come on site and they're going to charge you 10, 15, 20, 50, 100,000 to come through on a regular basis, cyclical basis to do nothing more than fill out the controls and paperwork. If I take that away and I give you 30 things to focus on or 30 things only to focus on, all of a sudden that is really kind of kicked. Actually, those people could be reassigned and we could actually solve some of the other problems that we have in our industry. But Perhaps they could find useful jobs. No shit. Like Would actually that, fixing some of the problems? We could start a charity of some sort. Useful jobs for PCI I love charities. It, it, this could be a thing. We could. Would you all donate to that? Could we, could we do this? Useful jobs for PCI auditors. Yeah. I think that would let's yeah. start... Yeah, I think. Who's with me? I'm hearing patriotic music in my mind as I say this. Let's pause the show right there and hear a quick word from our sponsor. Security controls fail everywhere. They fail constantly. And worst of all, they fail silently. That's why you need Attack IQ, the leading automated insights platform to continually validate your defenses. Better insights, better decisions and real security outcomes. Get it all with Attack IQ. Plus, check out the Attack IQ Academy for free cybersecurity training featuring the good people here at Hacker Valley Studio. Register today at academy.attackiq.com and let them know Hacker Valley Studio sent you. Where have we gotten to? What have we concluded? I think, I think we're all in agreement that the entire audit industry sort of sucks. I think we're all in agreement that the convoluted standards and and frameworks against which we're often held accountable suck. I think we've agreed that we want a reductionary effort in both. Well, unofficially, I agree, but uh, my group is in charge of a lot of assessments and audits. So can, can you please? Uh, yeah, I am. Unofficially, I'm agreeing. Okay. Would your world and your customers' world be better if the frameworks you were auditing against were easier for everyone to understand and work with. Yes. And I I think uh, if we can simplify it also, um, every framework has, they're different. Some requires a QSA, some is self-attestation. I think um, we need to have a common framework that we can follow, easier to follow, 
and something that's standardized across the industry. Today, PCI, you need a QSA or HIPAA. You just need to get an, you know, an independent audit. So we need to at least, you know, maybe a, have a more formalized, standardized auditing process. So I can still make money. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So, so when we talk about the vendors that are exploiting the system, we're not talking <laughs> about Cecil. Okay. I wanted to make sure that was crystal clear and on the record. We're not Is talking about Cecil. Is critical start in the house today? So <laughs> oh, shit. This is recording. This is... <laughs> This is a completely completely fair thing, though. There are entities doing this because it needs to be done, right? And I'm going to completely, I'm not, and this is not no joke in here, and I'm not backpedaling either. Let's step back to why all this exists in the first place. Why did we invent convoluted frameworks? Why did we invent a convoluted ecosystem around convoluted frameworks? Because we're all trying to come up with some objective way to say, am I or am I not secure? That's what we're going for. That's what we started with. That's what we were trying to achieve. Did we? Whole nother question. But the impetus and the drive and the desire to be able to say, here is my security yardstick, and I must be at least this high to ride the ride, and look at me, I'm this high, we're good. That's the impetus. That's the goal. No? No, I'm challenging you on this one. This is a dick-waving move. Seriously, I don't want to do PCI. I want to do my own control. My willy is bigger than yours, so I'm going to come up with my own controls. And I'm going to have other people use my own controls, which means I'm better than you. And Cecil's going to be like, well, you're a son of a bitch, and I don't want to use your controls because you speak with a funny accent. Therefore, um, I'm going to come does. up with my controls, and my controls are better than your controls. And I don't want to work with you to actually improve your controls. Neither do I want to work with Alan because he wears a hat, so I don't want to work with his damn controls. So I'm going to come up with my own damn controls, and my controls are going to be better than everybody else's fucking controls controls so and and so my willy's bigger than yours well and then you get the peacemaker who comes in and we're back to the xkcd cartoon yeah says, oh oh this is too much conflict let's create one superset framework yeah and hug everyone and embrace and, them all and there's another group going to create another right right controls. and we're right back to that problem so so there's there's multiple conflicting reasons but at the end of the day what is the goal why are we doing this in the first place why do we instead of simply going about the process of securing the things in front of us why do frameworks even exist? I'm stepping all the way back on this one. Why do they even exist? What's that? Trust but verify. That's a great, that's a great, great explanation as to why. There's got to be an objective yardstick. There has to be something outside of yourself that everyone can point to and say, did Timmy really secure his crap? Oh, look, Timmy's been measured by this yardstick. Timmy, that's the goal. That's the impetus. That's the drive. So, so the challenge is not, let's just throw this all away. To me, the challenge is, okay, if that's the goal, I think we've strayed way afield of that goal. We've gone off into some bizarre deep end of the pool where there's stuffed toys bonking us in the head while we're dodging sharks. Um, that's a very mixed metaphor, but hopefully you follow me there. Um, I think that we have to get to a point where we get this roped back in, where we get back to its original stated true purpose, right? Trust, but verify. I need to objectively know that Randy has actually secured all the things, or at least the portion of the things I care about, or whatever it might be. Randy's claiming he secured it. Where are we at? Yeah. Trust me. All see, right. Randy says yeah, trust yeah, me. I'm, yeah. You want me to? You. So, Randy, love you dearly, but I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to verify you first, and then maybe I'll trust you. 
after a period of time. And I think that's the other challenge we have is we have we've we've taken a very human nature thing and gone, I say, you're a very nice civilized chap. I can trust you. I'm gonna jail you. Bollocks to that these days. You know, but the, the, unfortunately, we are at a point now where I, we need to verify, then we consider maybe trusting. Yeah. So I, I agree with the logic, absolutely agree with the logic. But unfortunately, we, we are at that point where we have to almost change that paradigm, which is a very, it's a non, we have to take the human out of what we're trying to do. We have to actually look at it from a machine side of standpoint, not a human standpoint. And we're back to the S-bomb. We're back to let the machines self-report objectively and unequivocally, here's my status and my posture. I am the machine and I spoke, right? Let that happen. Let that be the guiding light that drives all this. Leave minimal for the humans, minimal. Let's bring it home. We've got the right intentions, I think, driving all of this. We've got the right goals driving all of this. I don't think the frameworks were created because people are evil or stupid, right? I generally trust that people aren't evil and stupid. I can't verify that, but I generally trust it. Um, if that's how this all started, where did we go astray and how do we fix it now? And and I think destroying the ecosystem that that, that leeches off of it is, is a good hypothesis. I think that's a good start. I think everyone locking arms and saying this is too convoluted and too crazy is a good start. Um, but how does one lock arms unless one is going to say we're going to invent a micro framework and that's our retaliatory maneuver and now we're right back to yet another framework? Like Cecil, how do we, how do we get ourselves out of this hole, man? I don't know, but um, I want to, you mentioned three things earlier. The third one, I love it, uh, shared responsibility. Um, one time I was a CISO and um, I could tell you, I couldn't get things done. So I started changing my approach. I started pushing ownership to the business side. I asked HR to start owning PAI and PHI data. I started going through the finance, the VP of finance. I said, I don't want to own it. No one wants to follow me. Um, I, I want you to own PCI data. I started pushing my cyber risk. I started pushing it to the, to the chief risk officer. I said, you know, no one wants to listen to me, but I'm pretty sure someone's going to listen to you. And, um, you know, uh, I think when we started, I had 11 people at my in my team at that time, and I couldn't do security properly. When I started pushing that responsibility, to the end users, to the leaders, I started moving my security to the left. You know, people, uh, you know, from the day they get hired, I started putting that responsibility to them. Now, when it goes to the, to, you know, from a typical timeline, they fix security in the beginning. They started realizing, appreciating, and actually identifying risk at the beginning of a, of a, of a life cycle. And I think, that really worked well when I started pushing it to the left side rather than fixing it at the, at, the, at, the, at the end. So I think you mentioned shared responsibility. I'm a big fan of that. Cybersecurity should not be, you know, it's not, it should not be a CISO response. It should be responsibility for, for everyone in the organization. Full agreement there. Full agreement there. Look at that. Peace out. You can drop the mic. Wait, don't drop. That's my mic. Okay. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Um, all right. Closing thoughts for us, Chris? I think one of the interesting things, and, and this is coming from, again, in, in CISO's shoes, having sat inside organizations, uh, running people whose sole job, unfortunately, is to chase compliance. 
I actually think one of the ways we effectively change this is to turn around to the organizations, everybody here in the audience, everybody that's listening, and say, what is the cost? What is the cost of you doing PCI, HIPAA, FERC, NERC, CMMC, and everything else? How much if we consolidated? How much if we actually maybe worked with the insurance companies to come up with the top 20, top 30 things? How much could we actually effectively maybe save or redirect? How much could we retain that we are spending at now? So in other words, you put it into a monetary thing, you put it into a risk and a monetary thing, at which point the business should hopefully be able to understand that. We're back to 3070, only now we're actually looking at it with dollars, not percentages, and we're right. in business buy-in because 30% less spend. Yeah. It's a good starting point. It's a real good starting point. Well, folks, I want to thank Chris. I want to thank Cecil yep. thank very you. much for coming out to the Cyber Ranch. I want to thank you all for participating in what is going to be the most edited show I've ever done. <laughs> um, um, no, this was fantastic stuff. Guys, thank you so much for having this conversation. I want to point one thing out before we close it out. Uh, we talked about at the very beginning – uh, not blindly applying frameworks and instead having them be more informed by the realities. And I mentioned threat-informed with ransomware. But what Cecil just alluded to is that there's still an entire risk-informed that we didn't even really touch on this show. So I want to have a rematch, and I want to do another show on risk-informed security with the two of y'all. Let's record another show. Who's down? Right on. All right. Thank y'all for listening. Cheers. Y'all be good now.